We're going to get right into the Word of God. We are still in 1 Peter chapter 4. And believe it or not, we're going to go over verses 9, 10, and 11 one more time. <laughs> At least one more time. Well, yeah. So open it up, if you would, if your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read verses 9, 10, and 11. They will come up on the screen. But again, we encourage you to look at the Bible for yourself, be able to navigate around mm -hmm. in the pages of the Bible. So important that we know the Word of God. So 1 Peter 4, verse 9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 9, as each one, or verse 10, as each one has received a gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power yeah. to him mm -hmm. forever and ever. Amen. 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 Right? So let's just pray for a moment before we approach and get into the word of God. Father, we thank you so much that we have an opportunity to just gather together around your word, to open up your word, to fellowship with you. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher of the church. I ask you, Lord, this morning to teach us as we yes. unfold the word of God, as we read the word of God. I pray you would give each one of us ears to hear and hearts willing to obey. Because, Lord, your word says it's not just in the hearing, it's in the doing. It's the doers of the word who become blessed in all mm. they're doing. And so help us, Father. We want to understand the gifts that you've given us, and we want to use them for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so we're going over these verses again one more time. We feel like this is a really important topic. We're really pausing on it because we feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, just keep talking about it. Because for one thing, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And we really do believe He wants everybody to be inspired for the meaning of these, uh, these verses, which has to do with using your gifts, that each one in the body of Christ, if you're a believer, you've been given a spiritual gift, or many gifts yes. for that matter, yeah. from the Lord through our salvation. And it's important that we use them. So we titled this message, uh, Use It or Lose It. <laughs> Use it or lose it. We're going to look at what the parable of the talents has to say about this very thing, about serving and using our gifts. And how important it is, because that, that parable is going to explain that if you don't use it, you will lose it. And the consequence is pretty severe. Um, but the fabric and the strength of the church, yeah, here we go. Uh, our ability to accomplish what God's called us to do as a church, and I don't just mean us, I mean us, the body of Christ, is dependent on everybody using their gifts together, the body, every part. We've been looking at this for several weeks. I'd encourage you, if this is your first week, go back and listen to some of the messages because they all do tie together mm -hmm. and help us to understand that we're, even though we're one, we are one body, we are all each individual parts, just like your physical body has individual parts, we are working the same way in the body of Christ. 
And so it, it depends on how much, you know, we, we work together as a body. Will we accomplish the mission that Jesus gave us to accomplish, to make a disciple? Yes. And it also actually depends a lot if we do this on a person's spiritual growth and maturity. Amen. Whether if you use your gifts or not, it really does hinge on how spiritually mature you become. And it might seem extreme to go, wait, are you saying that using my gift, joining myself to a local body, using my gifts uh, actually hinges on how much I will grow spiritually? Absolutely. And it does. According yeah. to Scripture, it does really matter. We are designed by God. We've been looking at this in Scripture uh, to come together and grow in community. We're not, supposed, we, we're not called into Christ and then expected to grow in isolation. It's extremely important for each person in the body of Christ to have a local body yes. that they join themselves to. And Jesus is all about building his church. He says, I'm going to build my church. He says that in the Gospels, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So he's all about building his church. And we, we said this last week that he's concerned about numbers. He, we're, we're thrilled when somebody gives their life to Christ. Amen. But it isn't just about conversion. Well, I gave my life to Christ. We talked about that for a while. I had my ticket to heaven. Now I just kind of wait it out till I die. No. <laughs> he's building his church in numbers, people converted and, and coming in, being born again into the body of Christ, but in function. Yes, right. It's a matter of getting built up together into maturity in Christ. And so he's about making disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and do what? Make, make a, disciple. a disciple. Make a disciple. So what, kind of, what does it mean to become a disciple? What kind of picture do you get in your mind when I say, you see somebody becoming a disciple? I know what I used to think. I mean, before I actually read the Bible and thought about <laughs> these things, because I grew up Catholic and never did read the Bible, you know, a disciple to me was somebody that was super... Be like, well, this person's really serious. They're just, you know, they're studying and studious, serious student of the Word of God. Well, what do you picture as a disciple? And actually, that is a portion. A portion, because the very word disciple means to be a student or a learner. So if we are going to be disciples and follow Jesus, we really do have to be people who study yes. and read and learn the Word of God. It only makes sense. How, how else can we do it? But, a, but it's more than just taking the information in. Right. Because, I mean, how, we've all been students. We all went to high, grade school, high school. How many times have we just memorized something for a test? Some of you are good memorizers. You know, you could just read over it, read over it, read over it, and just sort of regurgitate it back on the test. Yeah. Teacher says, this is what's going to be on there. You're going to have to know this. You're going to have to know this. And be like, oh, I can, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. But then about a month later, <laughs> it's like, what exactly did you learn? And you're like, uh, I don't know what that all meant. I just knew I was able to spout off numbers yep, and places and, you know, give the teacher what the teacher wanted to hear. And so becoming a disciple isn't just about learning and taking knowledge in of Scripture. Right. But it's also about doing the Scripture. 
It's about maturing and actually walking to become more like Jesus. Like, in other words, applying the, the word of God into my daily life and my relationships. Yes. I mean, we have to be walking this out. Like, if we're following Jesus, we have to be letting it affect the way we think. Yes. How I treat people. Am I becoming more like Jesus? I mean, as time goes on, we need to ask ourselves that. It's like what Chris was exhorting during the song this yeah. morning. This is, this is serious. Am I a doer? Like, how do I treat people? How do I respond to people? How do I react when somebody says something to me I don't like? Mm-hmm. What do I watch? What am I reading? What am I letting my eyes see and my ears hear? You know, I, I'm, this is how I'm working out my salvation. Correct. I'm working out my salvation to become more like him by just paying attention to what he's saying. Am I growing in the fruit of the Spirit? Am I becoming more servant-hearted? Because if Jesus is the greatest servant of all, which he is, am I becoming more like a servant? We have to ask ourselves these questions. Am I serving other people, serving God? And God will say, if you're going to serve me, I'm going to point you to people. Yes, right. Because this is even how we express our love for God. That's the greatest commandment, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbor, love people as we love ourselves. <laughs> and, but, you know, I, I, we have to ask ourselves these questions because otherwise we can still be a Christian, we can call ourselves a Christian, but our focus is really still on me, Yeah, come on. on myself. So it's not this, we put this up on the screen, uh, it's, I think it's a good statement. It's not just about going to church, hearing the Word of God, maybe even memorizing it, being able to say it, repeat it, you, you know some scripture, that's good, that's a good start, but it's about being the church. That's right. It's not just about going, coming, but we need to understand what it means to be the church, mm-hmm. okay, because the church is not a building, the church is, a, the, the word ecclesia means church, in, in the Greek, ecclesia means you're a called out one. Right. So we're called out as a group of people to go on mission for God. So this is what it means to, to be the church. And so we're meant to mature and grow spiritually. Amen. With other called out people. This is how we do it. We join together with other called out people. We rub elbows with them. We go on mission together to do what the Lord has called Mm -hmm. the church to do. We make a commitment to grow as a disciple. But you mentioned that word commitment, and people start to get fidgety. Oh, wait a minute now. (laughs) You're stepping on my time. (laughs) You're stepping on my money. You're stepping on my priorities. Come on now. We talking to the right people? There's a real fear and aversion to the word commitment in our culture. I mean, go into any business establishment, people who are trying to hire people to work and ask them, what's your biggest problem? Well, they can't even, they can't, they can maybe find an employee. That's even hard. But to find a committed employee? Yeah, there you go. That's like, that's a real treasure these days. Somebody who's committed. I mean, it's a virtue, really, that's kind of disappearing from our culture. Whether it's in marriage, people have a difficult time making commitment. They have a hard time with in the work setting and even mm-hmm. in the church. Yeah. Commitment has become difficult for people to handle. But the church should actually be the people who really model and understand commitment 
We yeah. should be the ones who understand servanthood, faithfulness, you know, not just here, but also in the workplace at home. Uh, because simply, why? Because these are traits of Jesus. Yeah, and our kingdom is actually made up of this. Uh, and we are, we are the called out ones. Yeah. We are to, like he says, come out from among them. Be separate. Yeah. You, you want to be a radical these days? Well, be committed. Yeah. Be faithful. <laughs> Speak the truth in love. Yeah, right. Stand for the truth. Stand for the yeah. truth. Yeah. You know, and, and parents, we should be teaching these to our children too. Because this is our culture. This is, this is who we are. This is just who we are. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. These are the things that Christ is. And so, therefore, we're learning these things as we walk through the life. It's not just being a disciple. Oh, I know this word. I know that word. I know where this part of the Bible is. I know where that part of the... No. Uh, are you... That part right there. Are you doing that part? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, wait a minute. You know, it's really easy to be doing good in your own estimation, being by yourself. <laughs> but then you start rubbing elbows with somebody in here, and you have a job. There's your goal. And now somebody has an idea how to do this goal. You have an idea how to do this goal. So now you got to blend that together, and now here we go. Now we're starting to learn these qualities. So these things make up the kingdom of God. And parents, we really do need to teach our kids this because this, this we cannot have... A good the, work ethic, the, yeah. The work ethic, you cannot come back and say, your boss goes, well, you're late. It's only 15 minutes. No, you're late. You're late. And you can't just call off for any reason. Well, my buddies are going to the lake today, so I'm calling off. You know, it goes back to commitment, faithfulness, servanthood. It really does. I mean, teachers now are saying that one of the biggest things that they have to deal with in the classroom is everybody's on their phone. Everybody's on their phone. You know, it's, you know, as a Christian, we should be totally different. We should be different people. We should be the peculiar ones, amen? And we're, we're called out. And so it's important for us to understand that, you know, if you're a grandparent, you need to help your, your, your kids and your grandkids learn these things. And let's face it, if you're young, guess what? The plan is to, in the future, get married and have kids yourself. Well, these are things you need to train your people. Right. Faithfulness. Servanthood. Faith, yeah. Servanthood. Commitment. Humility. <laughs> You know, these, these are the way the kingdom is. You know, again, Pastor Mamie said it last week, uh, that people are in the world are saying, you are elevated by how many people serve you. Well, in our kingdom, it's just the opposite. How many people do you serve? That's the greatest in the kingdom. And we need to be teaching these things. We need to be encouraging one another because the culture is not going to teach you this. It won't. And this, turn to your uh, Bibles to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And this is where we find it. This is, you know, these things aren't just, you know, we're going to become a disciple here. We're going to investigate what the Word says, and then we're going to put it into practice. Colossians chapter 3, 
And I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 23. And we'll look at 23 and 24. But uh, this letter is written to a church at Colossae. And so he's, he's teaching us how to live kingdom principles. And he says here, whatever uh, may be your task, work at it half-heartedly. Be pathetic. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't say. It says, whatever may be your task, work at it heartily, you know, with enthusiasm. You know, you go into stores these days, you go in, how you doing? You know, they're going to give you a story. But it's going to be better when I get out of here. You know, isn't it nice when you speak to somebody and they're excited about what they're doing? They're willing to help you. And did you find everything you needed? And you're, you're looking at, you know, there's a difference. Even with somebody you're working with who's excited about what they're doing is, is actually found the joy in doing this. It's a somebody who is, uh, whatever the task may be, you work at it heartily. <laughs> you don't drag your feet, oh, get there. No, no, no. We're... Willingness even to go a little extra beyond. That's right. You know, not just enough to get by. Yeah, do the extra. Oh, there's that, I'll get that. You know, it's not in my job description. No, no, no. <laughs> You're, this is your job, being a Christian. Amen. It says, whatever may be your task, work at it heartily as something done for the Lord and not for men. Whoa. Didn't Chris say that this is serious, what we're talking about? These are the words of, of God himself. and We cannot just pretend that these are just words and good suggestions. This is who we are. This is how we're to live. Could you imagine? I'll tell you right now what would happen. Employers would be waiting for people to walk out of this building and say, can I give you a job? Can I give you a job? Because we'll work at our task no matter what it is heartily. We're going to do it as unto the Lord, not unto men. And you know what? You have to challenge yourself with this because it's so easy, isn't it, folks? Well, I threw that. Well, it almost made it in the trash can. <laughs> no, go over, pick it up, put it in there. This is how we got to do it. We got to train ourselves. These things just don't come natural because you're dealing with your flesh. Your flesh wants it easy. I don't want to have to do extra. No, we're going to do it as unto the Lord here. And this is the 24. Here's verse 24. Look what it says. Knowing with all certainty. I really like that. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive an inheritance which is your real reward. The one whom you are actually serving is the Lord Christ. Kids, now when your parents are asking you to do something and you don't want to do it, you got to remember who you're serving. You might see your mom and dad there telling you to go clean up your room. But in truth of it all, 
is Jesus is asking you, go clean up your room. Don't, don't, don't do it like Warren. Everything under the bed. <laughs> it took me two minutes. <laughs> and it's, it's, maybe it's some of the things you got to do is say, and I want you to do it the way Grandpa wants it done. You put a qualifier on it. Amen? You have to. You have to. And see, because we're different people. This is our kingdom. This is how our kingdom operates. This is how it's going to be forever, folks. Forever and ever. So if we get used to it now, we're going to be in a place of preparation. And this is what we want to do. You know, we say this all the time, but it's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says that we are being conformed. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. And we can do it a lot quicker if we find out what he says and we start to obey it. <laughs> we can arrive there a lot quicker if we understand what he says and do it. Again, Pastor Mamie brought it up. She's quoting the book of James. Don't be just a hearer. Be a doer of the word. Because that's the real disciple, not just somebody who can quote all this stuff, but actually somebody who lives it out. Because this is what Jesus is looking for. And believe it or not, that's actually spiritual worship. He's looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. What you're doing right there by doing these things, you're spiritually worshiping God. Whether or not you're, you're picking up trash or whether you're repairing something at the building here or whether you're just obeying your parents or whether it's you're following the instructions of your employer. You're actually worshiping Jesus and understand he will reward you. I'd rather have him reward me than a man reward me because those rewards are forever. Yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you know, it, it comes back to the, our know God, find purpose. Yeah, find his purpose for your life. Not, not my purpose. Find his purpose for your life. And that's the way you're going to experience, truly experience life. Now, we understand this because this is a powerful scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's on the PowerPoint. This is, it's, it's amazing. You know, you can look at a scripture and just absorb it by just looking at it and muttering it, reading it over to yourself, reading it over. That's what meditation is. It's not like, hmm, that's not meditation. Meditation is finding a scripture here and rolling it over in your mind. Yes, yes. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God has given each one of us gifts. More than just one gift. But we're going to look at a parable today that is going to really hone in on some things and it's going to bring light to us so that these things can truly dawn on us and that we can be truly disciples of the Lord. This is important. You know, have you ever asked yourself this? 
I mean, seriously, ask yourself, Lord, what, are the, what is the gift that you've given me? And, and am I actually doing what we read about that in First Peter? Am I using that gift to help others? Am I, am I doing it? You know, it's a, it's a great question to ask. It really is. It's a great question to ask. Uh, you might be a retirement age, and you've never really asked that question. And you might be saying, well, is it too late? Well, no, it's not too late. My goodness gracious. You know, God didn't really get a hold of us till we were 35. Yesterday. <laughs> we just celebrated our, is my microphone our 45th wedding anniversary yesterday? Yeah. 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 You know, uh, but when you awaken to these truths and you really start to ask God, hey, I'm going to get serious about this, Lord. He'll get serious with you about it. And you, he'll start opening doors for you to exercise your gift. And your latter years could be more productive and fruitful than your former years. I mean, that's happened in our life. I think these things came to us when we were 35. What was it, 33 years ago? And my gosh, we're producing more fruit than we ever did before. And it's simply because we decided we wanted to be a disciple. We wanted to do things God's way, right. not, yeah. not our way. Yeah, it took us till we were 35. It's my, I don't love my... Check to make sure it's up. Testing, 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 testing. No. I'll get the uh, mic. He's got it right here. Thank you. Testing. You got it, Sam? Does it sound like it's on? No? Not yet? You turned it off. Testing. Oh, there. Okay. I guess red means on. <laughs> I figured it would be green if it was on. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> Where were we? We were talking about... Yeah, one of the, one of the, I, we were, as we did this, the message, you know, we were thinking one of the absolutely most important things that we did in our life when we were 35 years old mm-hmm. was when we discovered in the Word of God what is said about church and to join ourselves with a local body. I mean, we looked, we asked God about it. We had never done that before. Uh, it absolutely changed. We our the trajectory of our life it changed oh. our children's life i mean we joined a local church small little local church that was a bible teaching church put our hand to the plow and just began to serve and that was actually for me quite different because i grew up catholic and if any of you grown up catholic you kind of go into the church and it's all about what i thought and it was it seemed like well the priest and whoever may have helped with a few things but it's all about them I just come in, and I sit, and I stand, and I sing, and I kneel, and I leave, and I come back, and I do it (laughs) week after week, but it wasn't about, I never heard anything about serving, never heard anything about it. This, in fact, 
Ephesians 2.10, looking back on our lives, I mean, that's like a life scripture for me. Because when I discovered I'm his workmanship, yeah, everybody kind of knows, well, you know, you're, God made you, or you just have some kind of general concept of this. But when you really begin to get a revelation, no, I'm his workmanship. Yeah. He knew me in my mother's womb. We've looked at these things previously in some previous weeks. Created in Christ Jesus, like when you were born again, he's designed good works for you to do. Ephesians 1 tells us he knew us from the foundation of the world, and he planned in love for us to invite us into his family, not just to sit around, but to be a working part. Amen. He's actually designed things in your life so that you could be a part of the mission that we're here in the earth to do. That changed our life. It was like, what? What have we been doing? No one's taught us this. So we began to teach it to our children and began to tell them, no, this is our life. This is our whole life purpose. Yeah. And this is what we mean by no God, find purpose. Finding purpose isn't about what you feel like you want to do with your life and then saying, hey, God, come and bless it. Yeah. So that I could do what I want to do. No, no, no. It's about surrendering and saying, Lord, Perfect. I'm your workmanship. I want to know the good works that you designed for me. And then, wait, and then, uh, then in an opportunity like this in a local church, you just begin to put your hand to the plow somewhere. Yeah. Serve it may like not be Jesus. exactly what you feel like you want to do. But we've said this week after week, God will direct a moving vehicle. You just start to move somewhere. You start to serve somewhere. And pretty soon somebody else maybe in another area says, hey, I need help over here. And you feel like this really fits me. Like, Teaching in, in children's, you might feel like, oh, I started out as a greeter, but my heart was over there helping the kids. And so God will begin to move a, a, a person who's willing yes. to move. And so this is why we bring these things up to you. We, we talked about this last week that in Ephesians 4 talks about five-fold ministry gifts that Jesus gave, the head of the church gave to the body of Christ, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, mm-hmm. and teachers. Yeah. For why? Why did he do? Why did he name those five? This is Ephesians 4.12 says why. Yeah, let's take a look at it. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's for the perfecting of the saints. It's like built up, meaning this is part of the maturing of the saints. That's meant to happen as we come together, we commit, and we use yeah. our gifts to go on mission for the Lord. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? There we are. mature. This is the goal. This is what it means to become a disciple. Yes. I'm, I'm on my path to working out my salvation to become spiritually mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so this is why we've lingered on this subject, because we would be remiss. We'd be negligent, as called as pastors, to go, well, I don't, I don't want to push anybody to get involved. I don't want to make them do it. No. I'm all, part of our role is to build faith in, into you and say, no, you've been equipped. We want to inspire you to use your gift, to build your faith so you step out. Yes. That's what it took for us. When we first heard this, it was like, I never volunteered in a church before. I was like, don't ask me to pray. Don't ask me to do anything. Just let me come and sit. But then I realized, no, the Lord was saying, just put your hand to whatever seems as though we talked about the motivational yes. gifts that, right. that we've all been given. 
So one of the ways, one main way we become spiritually mature and healthy and work out our salvation is to step out and use our gifts. That's right. In the midst of a community of people in the body of Christ, this is how God has designed it. And if you look at those scriptures we just read, Ephesians 4, 12, and 13, the truth is you cannot, according to those scriptures, you cannot grow spiritually properly without doing that. You can't. The scripture declares it. Your spiritual life will be stunted. You might know a bunch of scripture. You might couldn't quote before and after whatever scripture is, but your spiritual growth will be underdeveloped because you haven't put your hand to the plow. That's what verse 12 and 13 declares. You, you, you cannot grow spiritually unless you're doing that. And this is God's design. It's God's design. It, it's, you know, it, again, I'll go back to the same thing. It's easy for me to, you know, tell you I love you, but I could watch online and tell you that I love you. But until we get here and we have a task to do and we start to recognize the difference in our personalities and then we have to figure out how's the best way to accomplish the goal where we're not grabbing each other's throat and trying to say, you're doing it my way. Because you have to yield to that person because that person probably has a better idea than yours. And scripture says, live in harmony with one another. See, these are opportunities for us to practice what the scripture says. You know, oh, be, yeah. I need to forgive or I need to walk in harmony. This is not easy. Living in community with people is messy and it's hard. Can you hear, and, say an amen to that? Yeah, yeah it is messy. Because if you don't do it, then you're all self-focused. Because I'm doing okay. Just ask me. <laughs> if you ask me, I'm doing great. My love walk is pristine. But then I start mixing it up with everybody, then I'm going to be able to, the Holy Spirit is going to show you areas that you need to work on. And it's not their fault. Anybody know that there is just amazing how God puts you again up with somebody who just rubs you the wrong way? He does that on purpose, folks. And what do we want to do? I'm calling off. I don't, I, I don't like this person. I, I'm quitting. God is saying, all right, the next three jobs you look for, I'm going to have that same person work with you. <laughs> You know, this is, this is how God, it's, it's, you're a living experiment, folks. <laughs> He's helping you grow and getting edges that need to be cut off, off. And how many know how hard that is? It's really hard. But this is how we become conformed to the image of Christ. You think Jesus loved hanging out with all of us? He's, he said it one time, how long do I have to put up with you? <laughs> Forever? <laughs> Let's take a look at the, the parable of the talent. Let's go to Matthew 25. 
In this, in this parable, it's in Matthew 25. There's actually three parables mm -hmm. in that chapter. It begins with the parable of the ten virgins, and then it moves on to the parable of the talents, and then there's, this, there's a parable about the separation of the sheep and the goats. Yeah. And what these parables are giving us a picture of, it says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like, and it starts like that in, in chapter 25. But the context for these three parables actually begins in Matthew 24. I would encourage you yeah. to read Matthew 24 and 25 all in one sitting. Because in Matthew 24, uh, G the disciples asked Jesus, you know, what, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And then he goes into this long discourse yes. about that very thing. And he starts to talk about, well, there will be famines and there will be earthquakes and wars and lawlessness. And there's going to be deception and false apostles and many of the things that we are seeing today. Mm -hmm. He's calling them early birth pains. He says the love of the great body people will be growing cold. And then he warns them in this chapter to be spiritually awake. He's yes. saying, these things are going to happen. It's going to get worse, but you need to be spiritually awake and not fall into to deception because I'm coming back at a day when you don't expect it. Okay. And so he's telling them these parables and he moves on to chapter 25 and he's telling the parables. So we gain understanding about the kingdom of God and the bigger outworking of the purpose of our life now. Yes. He wants us to see, like, you're in the earth for a purpose. Steward your life the way I intended. Like, be careful how you steward your life and all the gifts that you've been given. Yes. And so the good news is that he gives us the wisdom that we can do that. Because the parables speak of a judgment to come. And that's part of what we have to see in this, that there is a consequence to yes. how we live our life. We cannot make this point any stronger. We pray that the, often in our prayer meetings that the fear of the Lord would come upon the church so that we realize there are grave consequences to just forgetting and neglecting and not paying attention to what the Word of God says, how we live our life. And so let's just begin to read. I, I say it again. The good news is this, this parable actually give us wisdom to know that we can be confident on the day that we see the Lord if we have ears to hear mm -hmm. and hearts willing to obey. Okay, so Matthew 25, it begins with verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to one and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he departed and went on a long journey. Verse 16, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. And he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Mm. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In verse 22, he also who had received the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. 
his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, you have what's yours. But the Lord said, answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's pretty obvious, I think, in this parable who the master is. It's Jesus, you know, who came to the earth. He dies on a cross. Mm -hmm. He ascends back into heaven. And he's the one then traveling now. He's away. He's in a far country. But he gave us, like we've been saying, gifts. Our salvation is a gift, and there are multiple things within Amen. salvation that we've been given as a gift. Our whole life is actually a gift from God when it comes down to it. We are his workmanship, remember? Yes. So we are his workmanship. We belong to him. Scripture says we're not our own. And so he's given us time, talent, treasure, resources. That's what's representative of the talent. Uh-huh. And so, and actually, they're his possessions. You notice it says he gave of his possessions. This helps us to think this way. Like yes. Our money, our time, our life is not really ours. It takes us a while to really grasp that. That I am not my own. That's right. And so, and it really wasn't about how much each of each were given. No. But it was only about be faithful with what you have. Everybody's been given something. Be faithful with what you have. Be a good steward of That's it. Be it. a good caretaker of it. He's saying because there are serious consequences when we read you know, in this, in this parable, the person who was diligently used their gift, right. they were greatly rewarded. The person who had no heart for it, didn't pay attention to it, just lived their life their own way. They were judged for their self-centeredness and it didn't sound good. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think I don't want that happening to me. That sounds like a horrible eternity. Yeah. There's no gnashing of teeth yeah. in outer darkness in heaven. Yeah. Just to let you know. (laughs) But the talent, you know, the one talent was worth 16 years of of labor. Yeah, think of that. Think of that. 16 years of labor. Yeah, he considered it nothing. Yeah. 16 years. Could you imagine? Figure out what you make this year, multiply it by 16, and then think, well, somebody just gave me all that money. Right then and there. So a talent, receiving one talent, was extremely valuable. Extremely valuable. See, Jesus came the first time to be the Savior of the world. The second time he's coming, he's not going to be the Savior of the world. He's going to be the judge. And this is what we're being told. 
I mean, I'll go back to what Chris was saying. This is serious stuff. Uh, you can't just pretend it's not real because you'll pretend all the way to the throne room and then he'll say, mm, throw that lazy and wicked. Lazy and wicked, you'd think he'd hired a, a hitman to kill somebody. I mean, wicked and lazy servant? servant? All he did was bury this talent. But this is how serious God takes it. You, you, I gave you this and you, you did not... You didn't step into what he... See, Jesus has given you, he's given to me gifts. And that's why you go back to the same thing. Lord, uh, what are those gifts you've given me? That's a legitimate question. It's a strong question. I want to know, Lord, because I don't want to be like that lazy servant. I want to multiply my gifts so that I can bring you glory into it. What, again, Pastor Mamie brought it up. What were they judged on how much talent they had no faithfulness faithfulness five, i think five things we want to uh, reflect on through the parable of the talent yeah the, the, we, the, we all know it the first one is like what we've been talking to you about for three weeks is that everybody has a gift yeah. and you have more than one gift and the, the big part is, is that we've got to steward these gifts that God's given us. We cannot let them just lay there and, so to speak, bury our treasure. We have to invest our gifts so that God gains glory. It, it, and this is how we do it in a community. We serve like Jesus serves. But why do people bury their gifts? Oh, I'll tell you. You know, they've got their eyes on the wrong thing. Yeah, you're looking at yourself. Yeah. You, you, we often just judge ourselves unable, unworthy. We minimize what we have. We look at other people in comparison. Well, oh, I, don't, I obviously don't have what they have. And so we feel like it's not worth anything. But you have to look at that one talent, 16 years worth of labor. It's like it's worth a lot in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> yes. Well, how You might minimize it, but the Lord isn't minimizing it. You know, you can talk yourself into reasons to justify it. Well, I'm not doing anything. I'm just coming to church and doing really nothing. But is that, what's so hard, hard about that? Well, why did the Lord say, mm. you wicked and lazy servant? Think about these words. <sighs> they they kind of sh can shake you to the core. You know, when, when you, you step into faith, you risk. Yeah. A faith life is a life of risk. I mean, Peter, Jesus like said, come out of the boat. Yeah. Step out on the water. That's how it sometimes feels like when you begin to use your gifts. Like, ah, I've never done this before, and what if I fail? It's fear of failure, I think, often why we bury yeah. them. Great. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. I probably won't do too good at it. Well, so what? If you just, God will reward you for trying. Right. You know, we have to, there's just a tragic consequence yes. to burying our gift that this is a third thing to reflect on with it. We'll be accountable for how we stewarded what we were given. Oh, man, yes. And when you consider that worth, you know, it's understandable then, like, the, why the master was so upset. Like, you should have valued what I gave you. Like, think about it, some of you parents. You give your child this really expensive gift for birthday, for Christmas. I don't know. There's two, three, four hundred dollar gifts that parents are giving their kids these days. And often, only to find, like, three days later, it's smashed or it's lost or it's broken. I don't know what happened to it. And you want to go, didn't you know what that cost me? Like that was valuable. Yeah. And I think, think of what the Lord, we just sang that song, Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. Think of what he went through 
to invite us into his family, paying the sin debt of the world, and loving us when we were unlovely, and then giving us his righteousness, rising from the dead, justifying us, inviting us into his family. I'm giving you my righteousness. Yes. I'm giving you gifts. And then if we just sit there and go, well, that's nice. You won't be like the parent. Don't you realize what I gave you? How much it cost me? Yeah. When we allow ourselves to be shaken like that, then we realize I will be, I don't, I'll be accountable for yeah. it. I'll use it. I'll do something. And we've given you opportunities here at the church. We had those Serve Like Jesus papers last week. I would encourage you. Yeah, yeah. There, we've got some of them back there by the offering box. Take one. There are several places. I mean, we might even have a picture of it up on the screen there. Yeah. There you go. Places where you can put your hand to the plow and commit yourself. Challenge yourself to be faithful. This is how we grow and mature. Yeah. And even if you say, well, I already have been serving. Some of you are already, you know, we're say get off the bench and get in the game, so to speak. But even if you have been serving, we've, we've gotten kind of lax since COVID. I think everybody's just been kind of moving around, doing all various things, putting their hand to the plow, the people that are serving. Uh -huh. If you already are serving somewhere, please just take one of those and check it off. And just, it's just going to tell us, yes, I still want to be a part of that yeah, team. Yeah. I still consider myself a part of wherever it is that you may be serving. Uh, and for those of you who aren't serving, we, we invite you. It's an opportunity. Choose a place to use your gift. Because this is, this is number four in here. We're all called to spiritually grow in the Lord. Come on. We're all called to grow. And unless you put a demand on it, and really, this message is putting a demand on it. You're never going to know the potential that Christ is putting on the inside of you by grace. He will give you the grace yes. to walk it out. But you have to just be willing and go, I'll, I'll step up. I'll go. I'll learn. I'll put my hand to the plow. Don't just, please don't just sit there because there's potential on the inside of you. And the and consequences so are horrible. Yeah. We can, we can all just coddle ourselves, well, I don't feel like it. Well, it's too hard, or I didn't like it. And, you know, like you said before, our flesh will let us say all those things. But we are not people who walk by the flesh, are we? Amen. No, we're people who walk by the Spirit. Yes. We're people who are learning to walk by faith. And we have to train our flesh to go, if Scripture says this, if Jesus says this, Come on, we're doing it. Just get yourself by the collar and say, we're doing it. Come on. Because right? we do all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's right. And That's right. That. And then we just the last one, and we'll close here. God judges all of us by the same standard. It's just simply faithfulness. Don't compare yourself to what other people are doing and, and minimize what God has put on the inside of you. Yeah. Just be faithful with what you have. But what, and, you, and again, I, you think, I don't know what I have. Well, then just, there, we have needs. Miss Amanda's in the back there. You could talk with her after the service about that serve like Jesus slip. We could just plug you in. Greeting somebody and shaking hands with somebody in the morning is quite easy. All you need is a smile and a friendly attitude. And you got it made. You're using the gift. That's right? it. Yeah, and, and you get to know people, you know, and those of you who are serving right now, you know, challenge yourself. 
Look for ways to make it better. Yeah, that's a good point. Look for ways to make it better. If, if you say, well, this is my routine, this is how I go about it, you know, it's like, well, take a look at that section that you're dealing with and say, how can I make it better? Holy Spirit, how can I make this better? Is Jesus worth it? Is he worth that extra challenge? That extra step? Always. That, absolutely, he's worth it. Always. Absolutely, he's worth it. So, we, like, again, we titled this message, Use It or Lose It. We don't want you to lose <laughs> your reward. We want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, yes. And yes. the church has a place for you. Community Life Church does have a place for you to serve and use your gifts. I guarantee you, we do. We just have to hear from you. You just just step out, fill out that form, and someone will be in touch with you. Yes. And so, Father, we just we thank you for your word. Lord, your word does challenge us, and Always. it's good that it does. We don't want to be coddled, Lord. You called us to be strong in the Lord, and we could walk it out in the power of your might. Mm. And so I ask you, Father, I ask you to just speak to the hearts of everyone in here. Show them, Lord. I, I know that everybody would be prompted because yep. everyone's been given a gift. They could put their hand to the plow somewhere. And you will bless them, Lord. Meet them in their step of faith. Meet them. Encourage their heart. That your des deepest desire is to say to them, well done, good and faithful servant. I've got rewards. Enter into the joy of your ah, master. Yes. Help us, Holy Spirit. I pray you help us to unify around serving in a community together all for your glory if you're here today and you you these things are new to you church life is new to you you know god pastor mamie said jesus paid it all he paid an incredible price to invite you into his family to invite you into the fellowship of the holy trinity jesus paid it all he went to that cross. He shed his blood. He died and was buried for three days. The third day he rose again from the dead. And if you put your faith and trust in him, the Bible declares that you've been justified through Christ's sacrifice. But we can't just go to heaven any old way. We go to heaven the way that God has asked us to go. It's to call upon the name of Jesus. The Bible declares everybody who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus, or maybe even you might be thinking, I'm kind of wondering if I have or not, well, we can settle that today. You can know for sure. Because that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to know for sure. If you want to give your life to Christ today, I'm asking you to raise your hand high enough so that I can see it, and I'll pray a prayer. We'll all pray together, and, and you know what? You believe in your heart miracle the greatest miracle that ever could happen would happen right where you're sitting that you would be born of God's spirit anyone at all